as I read the passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 1, starting in the first verse, uh, you're going to see passages on the screen, but it will not be the full passage. It'll be only 20 through 23, so 18 and following. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. I want us to pause and pray, but I want us to also consider those people that are found in desperate straits greater than ours in this moment, those in Kentucky, those uh, in Illinois, those who uh, the darkness has really kind of encaved them. Uh, and the reason uh, why probably it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm more attuned at 4 a.m. in the morning, we get a text from our daughter saying, hey, uh, pray for us. There's just been a, an alarm go off in our neighborhood. And so we want to pray for these, uh, these that are in dire straits in this moment. Father God, we thank you for the passage of scripture that you have given to us. But we're reminded in these moments that darkness is around us. It will never prevail, but it is around us. And so, Father, we pray for these family members who are waiting, waiting to hear word of their loved one. Uh, Father, we pray for those that are working diligently on behalf of those who are waiting. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give them the strength, the perseverance in these days. Lord, we pray for those who have already known that they have lost. And we ask, Lord, that in these moments that may be uh, considered dark, that your light will shine. Father, for our passage this morning and for our understanding, would you allow your spirit to see deeply within us? Help us to understand your timing in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What's, the, what's one of the worst feelings in your life? What's one of the worst feelings in your life? Well, well let me just tell you, I think it's waiting. It's waiting. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you like to wait in the doctor's office, right? Even to get your car's oil changed, how many of you like to wait? It's one of the worst feelings to wait, especially when it comes to waiting on God himself. 
You know what I'm talking about. Some of you right now may be feeling like you're waiting on God and you have been waiting on God for years. Maybe you're praying that God would heal you from those migraines that just sneak up and just capture you. Perhaps you're asking God to bring a loved one to Jesus, that son, that daughter, that mom or dad or uncle or aunt. You might be praying that God would give you a job, Uh, not just any job, but one that has benefits that will help to take care of your family. Some of you are in dire straits because you've been asking God to heal you from depression, to save you from a hurting marriage, and for God to bring you maybe even a spouse. And yet the more you pray, the less you see, and the more you wonder, where are you? Where are you? I've been praying for years. I've been asking, Lord, would you just... Take this away from me. Some of you feel like that. It could be that, that health issue that just is constantly and parentally there. You just want them to take it away, would you? Lord, it, it, it's not a bargain. It's just, Lord, I know you can. You've been praying, and you've been begging, and you've been waiting, and you've been wondering And you're believing, as I said, that God can, but he just hasn't. And so you've waited so long, you're starting to wonder, are those prayers just hitting the ceiling? Really, Lord? So what what do you do when you're waiting? The title of today's message is Making Me Wait. How many of you know there's a line from an advertisement back in the 70s? It kind of was all during that time. Heinz, I wished it was that easy if you would have had a Heinz bottle and you just tapped it in the right spot, right? And it would pour out. That's making me wait. Anticipation, right? If you've ever felt like this, like God has just taken a long time you're, you're like, ah, Lord, I, I don't even know where you're at. Guess what? The people in the Bible had the same journey, had the same lament as they waited on their God to send a Savior. Today we're going to walk through that story, reminding ourselves not only of this story, for many of us we may know it, but some of us it may be new to us but reminding us of what God does in these moments, in this time. So God promised to send a Messiah, a a Savior, to the world, not just to the Jews, but to the world. And God promised it would happen, and then, nothing. For decades upon decades, centuries upon centuries, waiting was was their word. If you were to ask any probably Israelite or Jew at the time, what are you doing? We're waiting. We're waiting. We're, we're, we're biding our time. In fact, I would just want to show you how long God's people waited on God's promise to become revealed. Back in the beginning, yep, in Genesis, that book, in the Garden of Eden, you may or may not know the story. God created man, and he said it wasn't good that God, man, be alone, so he created woman, and in that process, they 
they were made in his image. And, uh, you know, the man said when he saw the woman, whoa, it's in the Hebrew, it really is. And he was like, wow, right? And then God said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. He said, everything you see, except for this one tree you may eat from, everything. Uh, Your life is free, full of blessings beyond what you can even imagine. And we come to find out that they soon couldn't imagine how free they were because they sinned and then they were ashamed and brought a... God brought a covering to them. Then there's this weird little phrase. And maybe you've seen it. Maybe you have it in Genesis chapter 3. It's an odd, quirky little verse that many theologians and scholars say is the first prophecy, the first word of a Savior being sent to a people that the Messiah is coming. It says this, the seed of a woman would crush the serpent's head. Just those short little words of a promise of something in the future. The seed one day through the lineage of Eve would be born and would come and crush the serpent and the head of our spiritual enemy. There would be victory and death would be conquered and hell. Hell would be conquered and sin would be conquered and we would have ultimate freedom. One day it's prophesied that God would send a savior through the seed of a woman. The promise. If we could pick it up anywhere in the Old Testament, I want to pick it up in the book of Isaiah. It's one of those books that if you're around during Advent, we read a lot of Isaiah. It's good. It's right. It's about 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah prophesies in chapter 7, verse 14, these words, and we read them in Matthew. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel. Yep, it's spelled two different ways, depending on where you pick it up at. 700 years miraculously before the event, Isaiah prophesies that we had to wait 700 years. So what's the longest you have to wait? Right, seriously. That Amazon package, 48 hours. Oh my goodness, and we're stressing. Waiting. What's God doing? While you're praying for healing or a blessing or for reconciliation or provision, is God just using you like a chess pawn on a board? Is he just messing with you? Because you know he can. But I don't believe he is. He's not cruel. He's he's not teasing you. He's... He's waiting, though, because all of these things become fair questions when we put them in our minds, like, Lord, what are you doing? What's happening? What's transitioning? God, what are you waiting for? I'm ready, right? Our hands are open. We're encouraged, like, hey, receive. I'm, I'm ready. Throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. Well, I don't think I'll be able to answer all of the questions that may come up in your waiting, but we'll attempt to answer some very important ones, especially in the period in the history of the Bible and why potentially waiting was essential. There's a period of history that's not recorded in the Bible. It's between uh, the, the last book at the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book of, of 
Matthew. We kind of coined the term, it's uh, the year of, uh, those 400 years of silence. We don't hear from God, per se, or they didn't hear from God. And we call it that intertestamental period. During this time, again, I want to repeat, 400 years, no word from God. We're told that God didn't speak at all, which made things way more difficult. Waiting on a Savior, waiting on God. But they heard nothing at all. You waiting? You waiting? It probably feels like that. You're, you're praying for something. Having faith for something. And yet you have no sign that it will be delivered. Just give me a sign, God. Show me a glimpse of light. Can you just op- crack the window? Maybe open the shades? And yet for some of you, the hunger is unbearable. So what is God doing while we're waiting? Why does it, in those areas of our lives, why does God feel so silent? I want to remind you that just because God feels or seems like he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. So what is God doing while you're waiting? What, do you, what is God doing? Well, God's word tells us that while you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, and while you're wondering, and while you're behind the scenes, and you're, you, you realize the goodness of God is there, the power of God is there, the provision of God is there, the grace and mercy of God is there, he is always working. He's working all things to bring about good. He loves you. He's a good father. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean he's not doing anything. What is God doing while you're waiting? Well, God is always working, even while you're waiting. I want to show you a verse in the New Testament that gives us the context of both God's timing and toward the event we celebrate very soon, the birth of Christ. It's found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And the Apostle Paul says this, But when the right time came, in that perfect moment, it says God sent his son, born of a woman. Now remember Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman, born of a woman. That's interesting, right? But what does it say? Born of a woman, subjected, subject, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to that law so that he could adopt us as, our, as his very own children. At the perfect time, the perfect time, not your time, not your neighbor's time, the perfect time when it had fully come, God sent his son Jesus to purchase us out of our sinful lifestyle, to redeem us with the forgiveness of grace, that we are no longer children of sin, but instead we are children of the most high God. Our God did that. But it had to happen in the perfect time. 
I love the phrase in the Greek. There's two words being translated here, uh, and they, they're around the idea of fullness and the idea of chronology. It means this idea of perfect time. In different versions of the Bible, it's translated in different ways. One translation says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. And another version says, But when the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his Son. Literally, this phrase means, But when the time was fully uh, yes, I have to use this word, pregnant. It's right, it's appropriate. It says this, someone who watched his wife give birth, it's just like, you know, you, you realize that the time is right. How many times do you have to walk in? I mean, three times for me, right? It's like, oh, this is the time. Except for her. She wanted to play delay. Not that it wasn't the right time, but she had another sister who was a little ticked. <laughs> but when the time is fully right, there's no power on earth. Now listen to me. There is no power on earth that can stop God from coming forth. But when the time was right, God sent his son, born of a woman. Remember Genesis? This is just the whole story. We're enveloped into it. It's wonderful. From the seed of a woman could come a savior that would crush the serpent. Where else? If you look everywhere else in scripture, when you look at the biology of a seed, it always talks about the seed of a man. Now, check this out. You can do it on your own time. This is the only time you're going to see it was the seed of a woman. Why is that? Why is that? It's true to prophecy. It's true to what is being said because, because Jesus is born of a virgin. He wasn't born of the seed of a sinful earthly man. Instead, how is he conceived? By the Holy Spirit. His father was of divine nature, born of a virgin. Therefore, he didn't inherit the sin nature that we inherited. But he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was perfect in every way, just like it was a perfected time to come. That's why he could be the sacrifice, the innocent one, the lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world to forgive us. How good is God? That good. That good. At the perfect time. You see how scripture is tied together? Why, why we mean to dwell in it? Oh, okay, I don't want to dip back, but I want to keep going forward. Jesus came born of a woman. Centuries past, people are waiting on a Savior. When did God fulfill his promise and send a Messiah? When the time was right. At the perfect moment, God sent his son. Looking back, we can see why he waited. Sometimes hindsight gives us the answers we're looking for. The answers we're looking for in waiting. I'm talking to some of you right now. Because you know you don't see it right this moment. But years from now, you'll look and you'll go, Ah, that prayer has been answered. That heartache 
that I prayed about is being sent ahead to this moment. And so sometimes hindsight and the waiting gives us the answer. When it seems God is silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. Whenever you're waiting, remember God is working. He is always on, if you will, on the job because he's good. Back to that intertestamental period, 400 years. How many of you, uh, how many of you enjoy history? Anybody? Okay, a few. Not so many. All right. I, I want to point out five different things that happened in history that made this time potentially, I don't know, you can ask God when you get there, potentially the right full time. The first thing uh, is this. Uh, anybody ever heard of Alexander the Great? Anybody? Remember history class? Okay. A few of you. All right. In 12 years, Alexander Great conquered the world. Now, let me just let you in on a few things. When you conquer the world, they put the name great in front of your name. It's just the way it was. We use the word goat these days, and sometimes it's attributed absolutely to the wrong people. You just need to understand that. But they called him great. Why is this significant? Because for the first time in history, at this moment in history, there was a common language. Are you hearing me? This is crazy. In those days, almost everyone spoke a little Greek because Alexander the Great conquered the world. The second thing that happened during this time, the Old Testament was translated into a language that was spoken and read. Greek. Greek. Well, at least everybody spoke it. Maybe not everybody read it. Previously, it was Hebrew until about the year 280 B.C. or so. The Old Testament and all of its prophecies about the Messiah were translated in Greek. Can you imagine? You have a common language, and now you have this, this translation that everybody can hear. The third thing. Anybody heard of the Socratic method? Yeah. So it introduced this idea and this, this way of, of learning where you could ask questions and get responses. It was no longer this uh, one-way learning of communication like we're doing right now. <laughs> Go figure, right? I think we'd learn some things. Number four, 63 BC, the Romans conquered the Greeks. So there's this unusual and unprecedented period of peace, and while the Romans weren't having to fight wars, instead they, guess what? They developed roadways and highways, and transportation systems that exist to this day. Incredible, right? So making transportation possible as never before. And number five, there was this, known as the diaspora. Uh, the diaspora was this, this season when the Jews who didn't want this, they were, they were scattered outside of Jerusalem. And suddenly they were dispersed through the whole Roman world. And when you add all these things up, you have maybe a slice. I will never say that it's the whole slice of God's timing. But you have a slice and a human-looking view of why the timing potentially was prime. It was right on. In those 400 years when people wondered where God was, what was he doing? He was setting up a situation where the gospel 
could be spread. The, the, the Bible could be understood and be spread. And the good news of the Savior could travel through the whole world in a common language, across roads and highways, and throughout the world. I mean, it's just incredible. Waiting? Sometimes waiting. We have to understand that God is working. In the same way that while you've been praying and wondering where you're, and hoping, and you've been asking, and you're waiting, God is, can I tell you this? He is still working. He is working. And you're waiting. He's always behind the scenes. Some of you are in the same place that I am in my life. You're waiting on something. You're waiting. You continue to pray and persist. You, you lean in and you ask. But you may feel in this area you're in a holding pattern. You're doing all that you're supposed to be doing in the time. You're not just sitting around. Waiting is not one of those times where you sit around. But you're doing all. And you begin to ask these questions about yourself. Yeah, you know, what, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? Where have I failed? Is my faith lacking? Lord, continue. Search me and know me. Tell me if there's any sin that needs to be uncovered and redeemed. But I want to remind you, as I have to remind myself, Abraham and Sarah made it 25 years to hold baby Isaac. 25 years. Joseph had, to, had a vision to rule, lead, and influence, but he had to wait a significant period of time and then went into jail. Some would say about 13 years or so, maybe longer. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years before she touched the hem of Jesus. A man who couldn't walk for 38 years? Right? Waiting, praying. And then Jesus looks at him and says, pick up your mat, take it. Take it with you as you walk on your own two feet. You're healed. While you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. While you're hoping and while you're wondering, God is on your behalf working. We have to understand that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because he hasn't doesn't mean that he's not going to. Maybe it's just not time yet. It's not come to the fullness of time. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me, and I continue to pray in and persist. Maybe you're waiting on that provision, that relationship. You're waiting for something to transpire, but God is working. He is always working. While he's working, is there something that needs to happen? Is there something about our lives that needs to transpire? As we consider our next steps, maybe God's waiting on you to get ready. It's not only on his behalf, but it's on you. Maybe he's, he's doing something in you. He's doing something in you, and maybe you prayed 
right? You're asking him. You're wondering, when, is you, when are you going to answer my prayer? And he's like, hey, I have to do a work within you. I have to, I have to prepare you. There's an education that you need, a preparation that needs to happen within you. I found this to be true with me, that, that often that God will often do something in you before he does something for you. He does something in you before he does something for you. He wants to work within you. So don't waste the waiting. Maybe he's, maybe he's teaching you to depend on him even more. I know that's part of my story. Maybe he's revealing his faithfulness to you in the ways that you couldn't otherwise experience it. Maybe he's teaching you, and we don't like this one, but maybe he's teaching you patience. Maybe he's just knocking off something else in your life that just needs to be gotten rid of. He's conforming you even greater to the image of God as you wait and you continue to walk and follow him. You're just, you may be, you're just not ready yet. And I know, we get it. I, I'm like, I'm ready. Couldn't even imagine that, right? But maybe he knows. Don't waste the waiting. Isaiah 64, verse 4 says this, Since ancient time no one has heard, no ear has perceived. Right? No one has heard and no ear has perceived, no eye has ever seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Can you imagine? When you wait on God, he acts on your behalf. When you wait on God, he moves in on your behalf. He responds, he initiates, he interrupts. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No one has conceived the goodness, the power, the grace, and the glory of God who acts on behalf of those who wait on him. He's not ignoring you. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows your cries and he is responding, but his silence does not mean he's absent. So what are you doing? What are you doing in the meantime? While this loving, all-knowing God is working behind, what are you doing? The crazy thing is that Christianity is one of those religions we don't have to earn his his favor, he has given it to us if we, as we follow him. But Christianity is one of those that we serve a God who pursues us. And as we understand that he pursues us, we want to pursue him back with the same love, the same devotion. Because he sent his son for us. For us who are broken. Separated. Those who are sick. He sent his son to free us. We serve a God who pursues us. And maybe you're waiting for what he's actually, maybe you're waiting, what you're waiting for is what he's already been doing, and that is that he's been pursuing you. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of you understand slowness. Instead, our God is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but our God wants everyone to come to repentance. Our God is patient. He's pursuing you. 
in this process, even those of you who are in the waiting, he's patient because he wants everyone to come to the knowledge, the fullness, the, the, the pregnant moment, the fullness of time. He's waiting. While you wait for the provision, while you wait for the answer, while you wait, he's pursuing you. He is working on your behalf in the background. There was one in our story, our nativity story, who waited probably the longest of anyone in the story. I'm guessing his name was Simeon. Uh, Mary and Joseph did the right thing as being a, a, a Jewish couple. They, they took him to, took Jesus after he was born into the synagogue to present him, take care of some other things. And Simeon was there with Anna. Simeon's response to the waiting was the sovereign Lord as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. And I recently say he was probably the longest waiting. I, Mary had nine months. So like, hey, you're pregnant. Guess what? We're going to use, you know. Elizabeth, no. Simeon, waiting for the promise of seeing the Messiah. Wow. Remember that while you're waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. What is it in you that you have been waiting for? Can you claim the other side of that, that he is working for you? Do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, today, do a work in a way that only you can do. We ask for you to work, God, even while we're waiting. Some of you are waiting this morning. There's a desire for restoration in your heart, in a relationship, there's a desire that you've been waiting for. Somebody lost needs to be found. Are you waiting this morning? Doesn't matter what it is. Are you waiting for God this morning? If you are, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Are you waiting? All right, thank you. I thank you, God, that nothing's wasted. You're always bringing about good. In a season when we don't really understand, God, build our faith, deepen our trust in you, draw us closer to you. God, more than we've ever been before, help us to fully trust in your character, your nature, your goodness, and God, for us to continue to wait, believing in faith. God, we believe that you can. Whatever it is, we believe that you will. God, we like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if you don't, we still believe. We still believe for those who are waiting right now, Lord, would you just comfort them? Help us to put our faith in you. 
that you're still working. Allow us to experience you this morning as we engage you in faith that you will do your perfect will on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you don't, some of you know that what you don't know and you realize you don't know God. You've been flirting around with the things of Christ. You've been watching some messages online. You've been following social media. Maybe there, there's something that you, you realize you don't know God. In fact, even more, you don't have a relationship with his son. Maybe some of you have drifted from God and you need to come home this morning. God's been waiting. What if the God you've been waiting for is the God who's been waiting for you? He's waiting for you right now. He loves you. In fact, a ridiculous amount. So much that he became one of us. God became flesh. Jesus, born of a virgin, not with the seed of an earthly father, not inheriting the sin nature of mankind, but conceived by the Holy Spirit, God in flesh, Jesus perfect, the Lamb of God, the Savior, the Messiah, prophesied centuries before. God, that you sent so we could be saved, forgiven, and made new. If you're watching online or you're here in the room, you may feel far from God. But can I just tell you, you're just a prayer away from being near to him. A prayer away from your sins being forgiven and the very presence of God who's reaching out to you to be present with you. Remember, he's not slow in keeping his promises. He wants you to come to a place of knowing his goodness, knowing his love, knowing his grace, knowing his forgiveness. For those this morning who say, I I want it and I need it this morning. There, There are two categories of you. Some of you have just been wandering. You would call yourself followers of Jesus, but you're just wandering here and there aimlessly. And it's time to come home. And then there's a second group of you who have never said yes to Jesus, never have said yes to God. Pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name. Father, we're grateful for lives who have said yes afresh and anew this morning. Understanding that you have been waiting for them as they may have thought they were waiting for you. Lord, for those of us who are waiting, remind us that you're working. Again, we're grateful for the goodness of our God, Lord. Amen.